Welcome to From Betrayal to Breakthrough. I'm Dr. Debbie Silber, and today's guest is Michelle Nagel. And Michelle is the author of the bestseller, Suffering is Optional, Step Out of Darkness into the Light, and co-author of the international bestseller, The Light at the End of the Funnel. She has been a speaker and transformational trainer for over 30 years. Known as America's number one resilience expert, she teaches tools that empower successful women who look like they've got it all together on the outside, but feel like a fraud on the inside to take off their protective armor so that they can overcome limiting beliefs, live a life of authenticity, and find the happiness that's been eluding them. And we're having a very honest talk about what betrayal does to us physically, mentally, and emotionally. And Michelle's going to share what she did to move forward and heal. You're going to love the ideas and strategies she'll be sharing. Here's Michelle. Hi, everybody. I am so excited today because we have Michelle Nagel with us, and we're going to be talking all about how to roar to win. And she's going to talk about what roar means and and everything having to do with what that has to do with healing from betrayal. So welcome, Michelle. We're glad to have you. Thanks so much, Debbie. I really appreciate the opportunity to visit today. Oh, thank you. So let's just let's just get started with diving right into that. So what does roar mean? Where did it come from? Roar is, uh, it means resilience, optimism, accountability, and resourcefulness. And it came out of my desire to try to figure out what does it take to be happy? What does it take to really feel like you've got a handle on the world and you can, you can deal with whatever comes your way? Mm. And where did it come from? I made it up. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Was there an experience that made you say, oh, you know what? I, I want to learn how to be more resilient or something. I mean, where was there something that happened or an experience? Yes, actually. there's. Um, I have had a rather challenging life. Um, I had a very abusive childhood. And then when I uh, met my husband, I felt like all of my prayers had been answered and my, you know, it was my happily ever after. It's like, you've gone through this huge challenge and now the rest of your life is going to be really good because you've got this wonderful man to stand by your side. And um, a, a year and a half ago, this wonderful man decided that he wanted to run off with his business partner and I didn't see it coming. It was like, I was totally blindsided. I felt like I'd been hit by a truck and had a steamroller that parked on my chest. So the betrayal that I felt from this man that that two days before he left me, we were walking hand in hand down the street and had made love that night. <laughs> you know, mm -hmm. it just it was uh, it was just so incredibly painful, and I had to find a way for myself to be able to heal. Yeah. And you know, everybody listening right now who's been through a betrayal experience like that, they all describe it physically, just just like you did with that feeling of having the wind knocked out of you, being punched in the gut, like you just, you can't breathe, you can't make any kind of sense out of it because it's it's such a shock, especially something like you said. I mean, here you were just a couple of days before and everything appeared to be okay. So you know what, it, what, so after this experience, how did you, 
how did you wrap you? Cause this was actually not even so long ago. Did you, did you physically, did you, did you start having any physical symptoms or mental and emotional? I mean, what, what went on? Oh, heavens. <laughs> yes. Mm. I did have physical symptoms. Um, I had a great, uh, well, first of all, I got pneumonia. Pneumonia mm-hmm. is a manifestation of grief. If you have anything that goes on with your lungs, it's, it usually means that you've got tremendous grief. And um, I thought I was going to die and I didn't particularly care whether I did or not. I had no reason that I could find to live. Um, and so that was one of the physical manifestations. I also felt this incredible burning in my chest almost 24-7. And it went uh, from my, my heart area all the way down to my fingertips. And I could tell the days that I was most stressed when it would burn the hottest. And that was kind of a scary sensation. I wasn't really certain what was going on with that. And then I started having problems with my heart. My heart started doing, um, you know, it would have palpitations and it would start racing. And uh, it was just, the whole thing was just really terrible. And I also lost 35 pounds in a month because I couldn't eat. Um, every time I tried to eat, it's like the, the part of my brain is going, Michelle, you've got to do something because you're going to not survive here. Mm-hmm. And every time I would try to eat, I would throw up. Yeah. So I was, uh, I was simply unable to function as a normal human being for quite some time. And, you know, I, I have to go back to what you said about the heart because heartbreak is just a word until you experience it. But I remember that feeling distinctly. I mean, I didn't have the burning, but that feeling of I had never felt pain in my heart, physical pain in my heart, mm-hmm. except for when I was betrayed. And and it truly is a physical, besides, of course, you know, the, the emotional feeling, but it really is a physical feeling. So it's, I can absolutely relate to what you're saying, and I'm sure the listeners can too. So what now? So here you are. You're in this position. You're uh, blindsided. I mean, that's that's the word. And and physically and mentally and emotionally, how do you become? How did you become resilient coming from a scenario like that? It was very interesting because my even though in one part of my brain didn't really care whether I lived or died. Um, I went down into the darkest, deepest place I've ever been in my entire life, in spite of everything that I've been through. Um, I had never been suicidal in my entire lifetime, but I was, I was coming up with a plan. I was trying to figure out how to write the letter. I was, you know, I was doing all that stuff, which was really kind of scary for me because, um, that's not who I am at the core. And yet I was so out of control um, and so what I needed to do, or what I, what I did is I, I learned a technique called heart math. And I learned that because it's all about the heart. And I didn't want to interact with my heart because my heart hurt. Mm-hmm. And yet I had to go through the emotions because really the only way out of the pain is to go through the pain. And I learned ways to breathe I learned ways to breathe while bringing gratitude in. Um, at that time, I couldn't find anything to be grateful for either. So the only thing that I could do was go back to a memory of a time when I felt joy and gratitude. And that was when I delivered my grandson. Um, 
and just the the joy of holding that that brand new baby as he's still attached to his mommy and um that was such a sacred priceless experience for me and that's the only thing that i could go back to was that memory yeah and then i just began working on it and i i practiced i practiced every day breathing into my heart pretending that my heart had had gills on it actually and the air could go in and out so that i could begin to feel again Mm. and there's such a beautiful uh visual like with gills on your heart that's such an interesting one okay so two things can you share with us more about heart math and you delivered your daughter's baby i did yes (laughs) that is so amazing tell us about that night and then let's go back to heart math Um, It was November 18th of 2008, and this was such a really wonderful experience because both of my daughters were pregnant at the same time. And my youngest daughter um, was two weeks overdue, and she kept going, I don't know what's the problem with this kid. Why am I still carrying him around? And she said, I think he's wanting to wait until his cousin gets here. And so it was kind of like a half facetious kind of a comment. And uh, it was so funny because she's at my house and she's laboring, but it's kind of going really slow. But we're going, okay, finally we're here and it's that time. And I get a phone call from my, my other daughter whose baby I also was supposed to deliver. And she says, mom, I'm in labor. And I'm going, you can't be because your sister's in labor. She's here. And she said, well, I'm sorry, I've got to have the baby. So I guess I'll go to the hospital. So she went to the hospital and she had her baby and, and my youngest daughter was furious. It's like, <laughs> how can she do this? This is terrible. And, um, and then at about uh, sometime in the middle of the night, um, her labor stalled. And so we're kind of going like, okay, now what's going on? And we just made her comfortable. We made sure that the baby's heartbeat was strong. And she said, well, I'm going to go take a nap. So she did. (laughs) So she went and took a nap. And um, I got a phone call. And the phone call said, the baby's here. And she told me his name and his weight. And I heard in the other room my youngest daughter go into transition. I know that sound. I know what that sound Mm -hmm. is. And it was like, all of a sudden, she had permission to finish what she was doing. And so we um, went in and we delivered my grandson. And now I have what we call twins. Mm-hmm. They're, they're an hour and a half apart, born on the exact same day, two sisters. Oh, what an amazing story. I could see why this would be the, the image and the, and the experience you, keep, you kept going back to for, to get that sense of gratitude. So thanks for sharing that. So let's go back to heart math now. Can you, sh- can you share what that is? Yeah, HeartMath is uh, there. It's HeartMath Institute is in Boulder Creek, California, and they've been studying the heart and the energy patterns, the magnetic energy of the heart for over thirty years now. And it's um, the it's a, a physicist is doing it, so it's completely science based. And the cool thing about it is that they've been doing research for years and years and years proving to people that the heart is the most important thing in resilience. It's the most important organ in our body, even more than our brain. Um, And the wonderful thing is that now we're starting to get peer reviews, almost more peer reviews from places like the Mayo Clinic and the U.S. Navy uses it. 
So anytime the Navy SEALs go into some kind of mission that they have to do, they practice what's called a heart login before they do, because that enables them to connect with each other and Mm. be aware of the needs of the other person around them. And so really, the only way really to heal from anything, and this is is so counterintuitive because when you're betrayed, all you want to do is just go into your little cocoon and just sit there. It's like crawling under a rock because it hurts so bad. But the only way that you can really go through it is to move back into your heart and start living from your heart and connecting with people from your heart and building that resilience again. Uh, Yeah. And, and, you know... It's such a it's such a difficult time to think. Okay, let me just be grateful and resilient and and optimistic. Things like that. So, what did you do? I mean, how did you find ways to be optimistic, especially after you know you said it was your darkest time? You were considering taking your life, and now here you are trying to be optimistic. I mean, how did you get to that place? Well, there's uh, W. Clement Stone was a very, very wealthy businessman and a new thought leader from uh, years ago. And he had, they call him a new thought leader because nobody had had these thoughts, apparently. But what he said was, believe the universe is out to do you good. And so for me, what really helped was to to go back to my faith, to believe that there is a higher power and that it's not going to abandon me. And um, I actually have a picture on my wall that says, do you trust me? And Mm. I have to pass it several times a day. And sometimes I can look at it and I can go, yes, I do. And sometimes I look at it and I think, "Ah, I'm not sure about that. And then other times I walk by and I go, nope, not today. But it's okay because... I know that my higher power is always there. Um, And that helps a great deal. There's research that proves that individuals, the most resilient individuals and the most optimistic individuals do believe in a higher power and that it will not abandon them. It's so wonderful that you say that. And I have to tell you, when it comes to, and you know this, when it comes to betrayal, trust is shattered. It could take a lifetime to build and it's shattered in an instant. And it is one of the the trickiest things to rebuild. And I always recommend to people that, you know, if, if you, you certainly don't trust your betrayer, you hardly trust yourself because you're thinking, how did I not know this? Well, at least if you could dip your toe back into trust, the trust pool again, by trusting in something bigger than yourself, whether that's God, the universe, source, energy, whatever. And um, it sounds like that's what, that's what you're saying you did and, and helped you. Yes, absolutely. It did. Yeah. Wonderful. So with something like betrayal, when someone betrays us, it's, it can be tricky because, you know, here we are where they clearly, they did something that was against the rules. Let's just say, how do we hold ourselves accountable? What, what, what part of that is ours? Uh, It's really actually very interesting because I've been um, going through some counseling with regards to my betrayal and um, a lot of the stuff, I mean, I was trying to say to the counselor the other day, you know, I, I, I accept responsibility for the part that's mine. And she said, I don't know what you're talking about. And I said, well, I know that I wasn't always at my best. And there were times when perhaps I was cranky. And, you know, I know I didn't, I know that I made mistakes. And, and she said, stop right there. This is not yours. This is all his and I thought, wow, that's really interesting because she's, she's really good about calling us on this is mine and this is yours. But, mm-hmm. but this really is all his. This is his crap. It's not mine. 
And um, so where I hold myself responsible is how do I respond to it? So how do I treat him? How do I, when I have interactions with him, how do I respond to him? Um, do I behave badly? Do I curse at him? Do I, you know, want to throw rocks? Well, yeah, maybe I do want to throw rocks, but I choose not to. And so I figure that my interactions with him say more about me than they do about him. Because what he did is inexcusable. And there, there's, I don't care what he was going through in his life. There's no excuse for what he did. The way he chose to handle it, that's all his. And that's, it was not a good way to do it. But how I accept my responsibility for it is how do I respond to what life has given me? Mm -hmm. And... And do I choose life? Well, yeah, I do. I decided that I would choose life. I would choose to live. That was a choice that I had to make when I was in that really, really dark place. Do I want to choose to take my life or do I want to choose to live? And I realized that I had just been given the opportunity to connect with people on another level and on a deeper level. Because now I had a friend who um, she went through a horrible, horrible divorce and her children abandoned her and she oh. couldn't take it anymore and she took her own life oh. and, and before I would say oh my goodness how could anybody ever get to that point and now I can go oh my gosh I know exactly how she got to that point and I know exactly how she felt and so I can look at this horrific experience that I've had as an opportunity for me to grow and expand and have more compassion for people mm. and and learn to trust myself and my higher power and the people that I know that I can trust. Right. You know, Michelle, I love so, I love so many things about what you just said. And the idea of it's really hard when clearly we, we were following the rules. We didn't, you know, we were, we were agreeing and abiding by the, the, whatever the agreement was within the marriage or whatever. So you're, you're taking responsibility for, your response, not for his actions, but for your response. And, and of course there's, you know, anger there and whatever. So to get to that point of acting as your highest self, cause yeah, there are, you know, I'm sure there were times where you wanted to say certain things or do certain things. Walk us through, what did you have to do to mentally and emotionally change whatever it was in you? So by the time it came out of you, it, it, it was a different message than it would have been had you just been responding from your, your ego, let's just say. Mm -hmm. Well, actually, that would have been a reaction, not a response, because mm -hmm. that's a, the difference of the, the knee jerk is the reaction kind of a thing. A response is what you, you actually take a moment to breathe before you say something. So the first thought that comes in your mind oftentimes is not our best thought or our best self. And you just kind of take a moment and it, and it sounds as I explain it, it sounds like it takes forever and like there'll be these long pauses between conversation or whatever. But what you do is, is decide beforehand, this is how I'm going to behave around this individual. I had, I shared my life with this person. I shared, I share children with this person. Um, and that is still precious to me. I mean, those memories are still precious to me. His behavior now at this point is a complete stranger. I don't have any idea who he is. And so how would I want to treat 
a stranger? How would, how would I like somebody to treat me? And if you just take the moment to pause before you say something, that's how you do the response. You respond rather than do the knee-jerk reaction. Mm, wonderful. And let's talk a little bit about resourcefulness because it, it really requires new resources And once you've been betrayed. So do you have any suggestions or, or tips as far as resourcefulness goes? Yeah. Um, resourcefulness, we, we look at resourcefulness and, and that's such an odd word. It's like, why on earth would I choose that one as part of a part of being able to find happiness, but it has to do with redesigning your focus and your attention. There's something called the um, Baderhoff, I uh, see Baderhoff minor syndrome, mm-hmm. which is if you become aware of something, you suddenly then get to see it more often. So imagine that you were going to go buy a new car and you've, you've not seen one of these cars before. And oh my goodness, it's a cool looking car. Mm. And so you go to the dealership and you buy the car and you drive off the lot. And all of a sudden you see these cars everywhere. And did they suddenly materialize? No, they were always there. It's just that your attention and your focus has shifted. Mm-hmm. And so when your attention and your focus shifts, then you'll be able to see more of what is out there because everything that you need is already here on the planet somewhere. You just have to be able to shift your focus. So the best thing that you can do is sit down and write what your life is going to look like in the next five years. And write down in detail, absolute intricate detail, what it looks like, who you're going to, you know, where you're going to, where you're going to live, uh, what your, your professional life is going to look like, what your life with your family is going to look like, what kind of romantic relationship you might have, write it all down in detail and then read it every single day. And as you do that, it, it, it put it in positive terms and also do I am statements. I am is the two most powerful world, words in the world because they will shift and mold you. I mm-hmm. am. So I am love. I am joy. I am desirable. I am, um, you know, just something, whatever it is that you want to attain in your life, turn it into an I am statement as though it already exists in you. Hmm. And that's so great because it's one thing just to just to do the exercise. But I I love the the idea of the science behind it, where by acknowledging it and really being uh, descriptive, it's because it, it's so true. You 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 buy let's say a, a red car and you see red cars are all over the all over the road, and it's the same thing. If you're being really descriptive, I guess as far as what you're looking for, whether that's a quality, a characteristic, it's whatever it is, then that's what you'll find. That's, that's wonderful. How did you use it? What did you, you know, what was your experience? I've used it for, because I, right at the moment, I'm not interested in having another romantic relationship. I'm just not going to do that for a little while. I'm going to take time to heal myself further and to discover who I am. Because after spending so many years with somebody, you kind of just you know, develop these habits and um, they may not be who you really are. And so what I'm doing is I am exploring who is Michelle? What does Michelle really want? And there's, I'm in a position in my life where my children are all grown. There's nobody here except me and the dog. And, um, you know, she's pretty self-sufficient as long as there's a lap for her to sit on. And 
I am now concentrating on discovering who I am and discovering what my gifts are and discovering how I can be happy and content with myself. So by my desire of not wanting to be in another relationship, I think if I were to run into another relationship right now, it would be a, a, it would be a complete disaster mm-hmm. because I am I, I would be on the rebound. I wouldn't be uh, making a, a conscious choice. It would just be kind of an unconscious, oh my gosh, I can't be alone. I want to be with someone. And then that would be a whole bunch of other problems as, as well. So right now I'm using resourcefulness to discover who I am and discover what I want. What mm. do I want out of life? And I write down my things if this is what my life looks like. And then I read it again and I go, is that really what I want? And if it is really what I want, then I leave it there. And if it isn't, I tweak it a little bit. So for now, it's a personal growth time. Yeah. And it's so, it's, I love that you said that too, because so often women just, and men too, I guess, just want to get into another relationship because they just want that feeling to go away but it needs to be healed. And it, it's such an important time to explore. And it's really true. If you've been in, in a relationship for a long time, you don't even, you know, so often we don't even know who we are anymore, what we like, what we don't like. And it's a great time just to just to heal what needs to be healed and, and grow and make some new decisions. And one of the, I know one of the most important pieces around that is forgiveness. Can we, can you talk a little bit about forgiveness? <laughs> yeah. Um, there's forgiveness for a whole bunch of people. You need to forgive the betrayer, which which doesn't mean excuse them for what they've done because what they've done is horrific. It's, it's, as my son called it, reprehensible. Um, it really is a horrible thing that this individual has chosen to do. But on the other hand, you can think, well, they must've had something going on they must have been in pain and this is the only way they can figure out how to fix the pain. Um, just try to try to have a little empathy for them, a little compassion for them. And forgive yourself is really important too. For the first couple of months, I was going through the, oh my goodness, if only I hadn't said and oh no, if I hadn't done. And you know, I, I figured so many ways that I could just beat myself up. And then I realized that that's not particularly healthy. And if there was something that I was doing that was less than, you know, less than stellar in my behavior, then that's something that I can take with me in my, in my working through process of my growth process. I don't want to do that anymore. That didn't work obviously. Mm. And, but when I look at, when I look at my former husband, um, he's living a life that, I would never choose for anybody. Um, And I I know that he's living a life that is against all of his own principles. He's he's totally betrayed his own moral compass. Um, Well, you know, he's got to deal with that. I don't have to deal with that. Mm. And having compassion for him, um, I know it's going to bite him in the butt eventually. It's going to be really... It's going to come around because what goes around comes around. I mean, there really is a reason that that saying is around. Yeah. And all I can do is I can say, I'm really sorry that you made this choice. It was the wrong choice, but 
in my case, I can say, I love you and blessings on your journey. And then concentrate on my journey. When we, when we stop focusing on what they've done to us and how much it hurts and what a jerk they were and you know, you know, the man committed adultery. And it, when you stop concentrating on all that stuff and you untie the strings that, that connect you to him and you just say, you know, this is not what I would have chosen at all, but blessings on your journey and I'm going to take care of myself. Beautiful. Michelle, what do you want to make sure that everybody hears before we wrap up? I would like for everybody to know how beautiful and wonderful and brilliant and intelligent and everything they are. They are so important. And the betrayal that they have have experienced from whoever their significant other was doesn't define them. They are beautiful and precious just because of who they are. And I hope that they can get in touch with their, their beauty and their preciousness and, and just be able to hold that in their heart because that will help them heal. Wonderful. And that's such a message, an important message of hope and healing when they're not feeling great and when they may not be feeling lovable or worthy or deserving because that's unfortunately what betrayal does, right? All those feelings of rejection or abandonment or, or it all just comes, it all comes up for us, but that's a, just a a wonderful, wonderful way just to, to leave everybody. So Michelle, how do we learn more about you? Where do we go? Um, I can be reached at Michelle at isoulshift.com. And my website is www.isoulshift.com. Wonderful. Michelle, thank you so much. I know everybody listening today got so much out of this. Thank you. Well, thank you for inviting me, Debbie. Didn't you just love Michelle? Heartbreak is a very real thing. She offered great resources like heart math, which you may want to check out. Stay in touch with Michelle by going to isoulshift.com and we'll have the link in the show notes over at pbtinstitute.com forward slash podcast. Here's my biggest takeaway. While you have every right to be angry, bitter, resentful, or miserable, you owe it to yourself to heal. You staying hurt only keeps your healing on hold. Of course, honor the healing process. It takes time, but you deserve a great life. So write out that list Michelle was talking about and start visualizing what you want to see show up. Do you want to see yourself as a strong, resilient, healthy, and happy woman or man? Your list starts with you. And if the pain of betrayal is keeping you sick, sad, and stuck, you may be struggling with post-betrayal syndrome. Take the quiz and see over at pbtinstitute.com forward slash quiz. And let us support you. Go to Facebook and join our group, Women Hacking Betrayal, where we give information, tools, and support to help you move forward and heal once and for all. Can't wait to be with you next time. And here's to your breakthrough.